I probably should stop talking. Okay. Are we live? Yeah, I didn't get we're any alive. of that. <laughs> That's not necessary. It's we're cool. live. It's totally cool. Um, but we're on the <laughs> air. <laughs> Yo, what are we talking about? Oh my god! <laughs> ah, wait, that's actually so not cute at all. <laughs> stomp on it. Can I stomp on it? <laughs> I killed it. <laughs> we just killed a bug. Sorry for everyone who would large creature. Ethically disagree with that. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was very big. Yo, that was huge. That was huge. <laughs> did you see it? Yeah, I did. I like. I just. I stood up, and like, if it was small, I wouldn't be able to see it. Wait, you saw it? But it was big enough that even I was able to see it. I'm Alana. I'm Michelle, and this is Three Unicorns. This podcast is called Three Unicorns because we are three black women in tech, which means that we are very rare. Some people claim that we don't even exist, but, but we, we do! do. <laughs> we are here. We're literally right, right here. Now. Um, <laughs> in this episode, we interview Fatima Diko, MBA student at Stanford and creator and CEO of Jetpack. We also play a fun new game called Public Answer, Private Answer. Take a listen. Woo, welcome. 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 <laughs> welcome. I'm so excited. <laughs> awesome. So tell us about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'll jump in. Um, so my name's Fatima. I was born in Mali. So that's where Timbuktu is. Yes, it's a real place. <laughs> I have to tell people this is a real place. It's actually a real place. <laughs> it's not like Bufu. No. <laughs> And then I came to the States and grew up in New York City. Mm. Um, and, you know, I grew up in Queens, then moved to Harlem for a bit. And then I studied chemical engineering at Columbia. Um, and then after I left Columbia, I really wanted to use some of the technical skills to start making, you know, products that were going to directly impact people's lives. Mm -hmm. And so I went to Procter & Gamble and worked on this five-person technology group where we were developing technologies that are three to 10 years away from market. Man. So we worked on everything from, let's see, one really cool project was being able to be on Instagram and look at someone's lip shade and then 3D print that lip shade and apply it. No! Right yeah. Wow. Wait, you made that happen? <laughs> yeah. What? So yeah, we were, we were working on some really cool things. We are in the studio with greatness, <laughs> y'all. Oh my God. Greatness. <laughs> With science, so yeah, you know, 90% of the things we worked on failed, um, but it was a very iterative uh, team where, you know, it's all about concepts of finding the consumer gap and picking technologies and developing technologies that could really address these pain points. Um, and after a while, you know, I caught the entrepreneurship bug and, you know, developing mm. new things after a while, you feel like, you know, you're working on someone else's dream versus your own. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I left P&G and started a company uh, my parents love that, right? Like, we did not come from Mali. So, like, <laughs> do whatever it is you're trying to do. And so, <laughs> you know, did that for a bit. And now I'm here at Stanford Business School. So I'm really looking forward to sharing, you know, some of my stories around entrepreneurship and tech and, you know, kind of how I came to where I am today. Dope, dope. Um, so that's super interesting. I think one one thing I'm curious about is, like the impact that Stanford has had on your education and and I feel like we all are here we're all Stanford students at this point and um, I think we all recognize that Stanford is an excellent excellent place to 
like learn. It's beautiful. Um, the people here are incredible and from all different kinds of places. Um, but I'm wondering, like, what are some of the parts of Stanford that are that you're more critical of mm-hmm. or um, didn't quite meet your expectations or were different from what you expected? Or that you wish was better. Yeah. 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 I think that's a great, a great question. Well, you know, obviously, I'd love to see more minorities. Um, I think one thing that, you know, I want to touch on a bit is, you know, when you think about entrepreneurship, you know, Stanford's one of the, you know, schools that come to mind immediately. Um, but I don't think it's the only place, right, where, mm-hmm. you know, you could birth creators or top entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You know, for me, even if it wasn't Stanford, I wouldn't have went to business school, primarily because the types of people who come to Stanford are people who challenge the status quo, um, you know, challenge myopic thinking and all those sorts of things. But it's not the only place where people can create great things. And I think there's this stigma attached to it. You know, the other day, there's a TechCrunch article that came out and it said Stanford student starts, you know, this company. And there were so many comments around, (laughs) great, another white privileged person to start a company or great, another Stanford person. And I really, I wanted to take a step back and figure out why was there this stigma attached to Stanford? (laughs) And I do think that some people believe that the people here think that this is where like creativity and like innovative (laughs) ideas are birthed and like Mm -hmm, nowhere else. Mm -hmm. And if you're not like physically standing on Stanford's campus, like, you know, it's not gonna be great. But the reality is like, this is a a regular place. Like there's no cell phone service. (laughs) You know, the cell phone (laughs) service sucks, right? You think you're like in the epicenter of technology. I can't even text people back. But you know, I think it's really smart people gravitate around other smart people. And that's what makes this place great. But it's not the only place where people can create dope things, you know? And I, I want people to kind of just internalize that as well. I want to I wanna ask more about being, uh, being like a minority and being a woman in like the Stanford space in your MBA program. Um, I've heard about other MBA programs being like super competitive. You have to like work on these teams and figure, a lot of, figure out a lot of things and it can be pretty cutthroat. And I'm wondering like, if that's the environment here and if that has conflicted with you being a black woman at all? Yeah. Actually, I was surprised. Well, not surprised, but pretty happy to know and feel that it was actually quite the opposite at a place like Stanford. Mm-hmm. Um, people so far have been super helpful and just willing to learn from each other as much as possible. Um, you know, again, a professor at Stanford has done some work to show that great ideas are simply when two old ideas come together for the first time (laughs) and so you know it's Mm. just who are you talking to right how are you bringing people from all walks of life to bring you know super different ideas together you know in a conversation in a way where new ideas can be birthed and i think it takes a collaborative atmosphere to to start to pick at that Mm -hmm, for sure and and like and and more people at the table even to even be discussing those types of ideas. for sure you look at companies like twitter you know, black Twitter made Twitter great. Yes. Uh, you know? yeah. Right? Yeah. No, say sure. it again. Say it oh, again. Yeah. Like, black Twitter made <laughs> Twitter great. And it's the reason why Twitter is still relevant, oh, if we're yeah. going to be perfectly literally, honest. I literally wrote my power to <laughs> entire paper about that exact. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But yeah, you think about the workforce, and I think now companies are starting to understand that you, you need a diverse workforce mm-hmm. to pick at 
cultural knowledge diversity in a way that's going to take the company to the next level, right? And it's just a little unfortunate sometimes to see, like, you know, the example of Twitter, like, black Twitter being so influential to, you know, this company's success and not having the workforce be representative mm -hmm. of that, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we talk a lot about knowledge diversity as it relates to what school did you go to, where did you grow up, but, like, your cultural experiences you know, really play a huge role in just the types of ideas that you have the ability to generate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, um, you know, kind of touching on, on that, I, I kind of forget who told me this, but when I was younger, one of the most powerful things that someone had said to me, um, and it was in a space where people were talking about, you know, what is it like being the only black woman in a space? And the, the woman who was speaking was like, you know what? I, over time, have learned to relish it because I know that I have knowledge, I have experiences, I have expertise that other people in the room don't have. Right. And so, you know, the ideas that I'm contributing is actively making the product or actively making whatever they're trying to build better. Right. right? right. And so I thought that was, like, very powerful, you know, just as a black woman in, you know, technology or really anywhere, um, diversity is something that should be celebrated especially for the fact that like these ideas coming together only creates more powerful ideas and for everyone sure. needs to, to have their voice um, at the table. And I think that's a really good point because, you know, as we start to, you know, really um, internalize the value um, of the ideas that we have, then we can find the outlets to really give those ideas a place to flourish. Um, and that's why I think the inclusion and diversity and inclusion is so big because it's not about having you know all sorts of people at the table but it's about creating an atmosphere where those people feel comfortable to bring their experiences and their ideas you know to the table and you know one of the things I was talking to someone about the other day is you know when we're silent and just you know I've always been more of an introspective person and I'll sit down and listen to you know the different ideas that people have and really spend some time putting my thoughts together first and sometimes silence you know for black women especially is mistaken as you know you have nothing to say mm -hmm. right mm, yes, or like yes. when we ask a question um, when we say something like um, you know, like, hey, this is super simple or this is, you know, a pretty, you know, we joke around like a dumb question or if anyone jokes around a dumb question, like if a white male says it, it's like, oh, my God, like they're so comfortable in their skin and they're <laughs> willing to be vulnerable. But then with, you know, sometimes when we do it, it could be misinterpreted as, oh, like, OK, they don't get what's going on. Right. And so I think it's not even about having the people there who look different, but creating an atmosphere that makes them just feel comfortable to be themselves because you know creativity is birthed from vulnerability and in order to feel vulnerable and you know to put yourself out there the atmosphere has to be conducive to that otherwise we're not going to bring our full authentic selves totally yeah mm -hmm. like what's even the point of having a diverse team if everyone's just going to adhere to the status quo and like not actually challenge anything right it's like oh you didn't even accomplish what you set out to do <laughs> right. <laughs> right right like we're at a superficial official level right now yeah it right. looks good but we're not actually getting what we set out to get for sure mm -hmm. for sure absolutely um cool so all right, I'm just I'm just so excited to talk to you right now um, <laughs> for for several several reasons. Um, Michelle gave me the cue. I can ask my um, all these questions that I've had. So first, I'm so curious because you initially started out with um, my best box, right? Mm -hmm. And then 
you've made this switch to jetpack. Yep. So, you know, if you could kind of talk about um what was that like? Like what sparked that transition yeah. from from my best box to jetpack and kind of just talking more about like the vision for jetpack, what you're trying to accomplish and um and how you got the idea. For sure. So, <clears throat> you know, I was living in Baltimore for a little bit and I was in the middle of a food desert. And that's when I started realizing it was super difficult for people to live healthier lifestyles. And the main reasons were time and money. And so if you can make it super convenient and affordable for people, you know, to live healthier lifestyles, then you can enable and empower people to do so, you know, in a pretty big way. And so what we started to do is put together boxes that had over $100 worth of products um, for $20 a month. And they ranged from wow. yoga to oral hygiene, fitness, healthy cooking. Um, and we really started to gain a lot of momentum. You know, this started in my apartment. I moved the furniture out. And there was just inventory everywhere. It was super crazy. <laughs> Parents were like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> again, like, we came from Mali. You're packing boxes. <laughs> What's going on? Um, and so, you know, we started to see a lot of success. We started shipping in every state, you know, in the country. Um, saw a lot of growth but you know as you all might be familiar with everyone and their mom had a subscription box company right there's <laughs> oh. one for dogs one for grandmas one for pictures <laughs> and so even though you know we had a lot of consumers who were really excited about our product um, it, it it became more and more different difficult to differentiate ourselves and so mm -hmm. you know we took a step back and tried to figure out, okay, for the past two years, we built all these partnerships with brands and, you know, we have a lot of people loving our product. We have our own fulfillment center in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. You know, how can we use everything that we've learned in the over the past two years to really develop something new? And, you know, as this is going on, I was always forgetting products. <laughs> always. I didn't have a charger. I'm like, oh, crap. I need to stay awake. No coffee. You know, femme hygiene's big. It's always like, hey, mm. can I borrow a tampon? Yes, you know? yes. Like, there's all these things where, like, people who are creating and always moving around are forgetting things all the time. And so, you know, this really got me thinking about this space of on-demand delivery and like instant gratification around a you know different pain points right so we tried a whole bunch of different things with hotels music but we're not even going to get into all of that <laughs> <laughs> but the the one that really really started to hit off was a trial run we did at columbia with uber rush and so we had um, pretty much Uber drivers picking up emergency boxes with things from condoms to femme hygiene to painkillers and delivering them on Columbia's campus within an hour. Mm -hmm. And we saw that within a couple of days, we were able to sell hundreds of boxes. Oh, wow. And this got me thinking about, you know, the on-demand space and, you know, really where do these players like Amazon and Postmates who have billions of dollars and, you know, all these people, you know, as a part of their fleet – where do they fall short? And so, you know, it got me learning about the final mile of delivery a little bit more. And, 
you know, these companies don't really benefit from economies of scale when it comes to the final mile of delivery. So that means we would never beat them on a one to two hour time frame. But there's this really short time frame of 15 minutes where the person who can park the fastest, get into the dorm the fastest, onto the third floor the fastest, they'll have this competitive advantage on speed. And so if we could identify the top products where people need it now, they need it and they can't wait, then we can really start to develop a way of getting things to people quickly. And so this got me thinking about what if we just gave people the top products that people needed and made it super easy for people to exchange these products. Mm -hmm. um, and so Jetpack, you know, was born. And um, today we have 100 Jetpackers across campus who are pre-stocked with the top products that people need. Oh, wow. Um, and you download our mobile app and you pick the product that you need and it'll locate the nearest person. And then as soon as you meet up, the monetary transaction is instant. And so these price points are a dollar, two dollars, three dollars. They're not wow. about size or choice. They're really just about I need the small thing. I need it right now. You know, we're serving a lot of people to get more insights on these products. We're getting everything from toilet paper. Yeah, um, yeah. The wow. other day, someone ordered a MacBook charger at 3 a.m. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So for deep. rental, <laughs> yeah. for rental. And so sometimes oh. it's not even about I need this charger for like ever, but you I need it for it. now. Yeah, oh, so you could rent cool. or purchase things. Um, wow, that is so cool. That, being able to rent that is a game because a Mac charger is like 70, 80 it's bucks. 70, 80 and if bucks. you know you can get it, like you just left it somewhere, you can get it tomorrow, but you need to like finish your paper or something. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Oh. You need it within a few minutes. You need it for about an hour or so. And you can get it in a few minutes. Yeah, a few yeah. minutes. That's our value proposition. I feel like Boom. this is cool because like, <laughs> I, I often think of these like instant delivery things as kind of like, silly and like yeah um, not actually helping anyone like yeah. like oh doordash like yeah. <laughs> can you get like like i literally feel like a bad person when i like get yeah 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 i i like I, it's like has this moral like I like judge myself totally. morally like I feel like it doesn't it's for like rich people who are lazy and I don't like agree with it yeah. but then on this end like it's like wait these are actually things you need like urgently need. and they're, they're priced at a like reasonable it's not about like oh do you want to pay this $18 delivery right. fee in addition to that? <laughs> like it's just like no you need things we're gonna get it to you we're stocking the most needed things like even stocking based on need like automatically makes it actually make sense instead of like oh you can just have all these items and just pay us money for us to run around you for pay you. us 28 dollars like, right. no, it's, yeah. it's actually trying to serve a need like immediately exactly that, yeah. it makes sense that it needs to be exactly immediate. the number of times i've been like in the fetal position because i just got my period <laughs> or something and didn't have painkillers or didn't have tampons i wow yeah i could have saved myself so much pain <laughs> i totally feel you on the doordash thing last night like 3 a.m my boyfriend and i got some um burgers from Jack in the Box, and the delivery fee was nine ninety nine, mm. yeah. and I was like, "This is like more than the That's food." Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say, yeah. Yeah. Than the burgers. <laughs> yeah. So no, I think real. that the biggest thing that we're trying to really get to um, is this idea of like people helping people and culture. And so there is this need for a cultural retailer around just what it means for like femme hygiene for a person to bring you, you know, a tampon or for even male to female dynamics. You know, we're still learning if we need to blind our products or if we need to keep it transparent. But I do think there's an opportunity for us to really, really get the culture and the trust piece right. Um, I think there's some cool things that we have 
plan for even outside airports as you're running late and you didn't pack like your soap and your toothpaste Mm -hmm. Um, at music festivals you know you need a specific product immediately but you know getting a tampon out of someone's backpack is a little creepy so like how do you build trust and culture first so we actually just started a photo series which is really cool called why we jet and it's dope people all around campus sharing hilarious stories about a time (laughs) when they like needed a product instantly so today's story was um a girl named Phoebe Yao who talks about like dyeing her hair so she has really cool silver hair but one time she needed this hair product immediately (laughs) and like her hair turned green (laughs) (laughs) for like weeks wow yeah and so you know or someone else who had um, she needed lipstick right away for a wedding and like ran into Mac to use the samples (laughs) and so just like really cool stories about like people really needing you know products and building this trust around vulnerability and people's moments yeah wow yeah that is that is so cool i'm i'm not gonna yeah i'm not gonna lie like when i first read um kind of what jetpack could be i think i just like read it in passing and i was like oh okay like peer-to-peer like services like delivering oh interesting but hearing you explain it now i'm just realizing all the implications and like that is freaking awesome so (laughs) yeah um, that's awesome and just even thinking of like the cultural piece of like having a grown man and maybe this is creepy in some levels but like (laughs) having a grown man deliver someone their tampons like I think even for like men like the idea of periods and all that stuff is super gross and taboo but like right I mean that can even start to like break down some of these ideas of you know this is just another person who like needs plus like the power dynamics of that are just pretty cool like a man like (laughs) a tampon like that's pretty cool (laughs) um dope okay cool so so also um so, yeah, so you recently did this um, article with Women of Silicon Valley. Really amazing article. Um, all our listeners should check it out. But in this article, you said several amazing quotes, one of yeah. which I'll read here because it really stuck with me. And that is, there are so many brilliant women in this world who become forced to prove themselves rather than enjoy and appreciate the journey of personal growth, self-reflection, and the pursuit of knowledge that hit me pretty hard and um you know I think the reason why it hit me pretty hard is just because there's so many moments where I walk into rooms or I'm in places and I'm, the first thing I'm thinking about is like oh like do I belong here do I fit in here like what do they think of me and just having to put my, all my energy into that and making sure they know that I'm not dumb and like you know what I'm saying and all these right. other things when I could be taking that time to just be carefree and all these other things right and so you know my question would be you know, can you think of or, or or what are some experiences that you've had where you've been in a space or you've been in um, a, a classroom or, or, or whatever where you felt like you had to prove yourself? Right. You know, <laughs> I think as a black female, your whole life ends up being, you know, proving yourself. Right. And I think that, you know, the the thinking behind, you know, that quote was. You know, when we're focused on what other people are going to think about what we have to say, we spend so much energy, you know, kind of fighting that thought versus like building upon the quality of your idea. And, you know, even in class, like if you think about business school, so much of your participation is just, you know, getting cold call or having debates in class. Um, And a lot of that you do have to bring a certain level of just being okay and owning the things that you have to say um, and doing it, 
you know, fearlessly, right? Doing it fiercely and being attached to you as a person and your ideas. Um, and I think, you know, if I think about, I think Steve Jobs was a terrible person, right? <laughs> but, you know, he did say something that really stuck with me. Um, and it was around the time when he knew he was going to die. And he said it was only then when he was completely, you know, he stripped away any sort of like internal thoughts around what people might think of him is when he was able to reach the best ideas that he's ever had. And he was able to be so fearless and not worry about failure and not worry about, you know, how people will perceive what it is that he had, you know, to bring. Um, and that just his ideas completely transformed. And so how can we start to take that sort of insight and just take away, you know, this the voice in the back of our head that, you know, tries to focus on like, what are people thinking and how will I be perceived and just build the quality of our ideas. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <coughs> That's beautiful. That like really inspired me. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like that also just applies to like everything in life. Like you are, you are more free when you're not like, worried about these lies that the world tries to tell you when you can actually see the truth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. This has been awesome. We're going to transition into a little, a little game that we and I feel like I have a lot of power right now because I'm the only person who knows what this game is. This is, is. usually how it goes. Though. <laughs> so I'm just going to sit in that for a little bit. But okay, this game is called Public Answer, Private Answer. <laughs> Inspired by that Women of Silicon Valley article that we will link in the description mm -hmm. um, that you should all check out. Um, I'm going to ask you a couple questions. And I would like to know both <laughs> your public answer and your private answer. Public answer being like what you would like say, you know, like what you want to tell people that your favorite comfort food is. Private answer being like literally, but like what's it actually? actually <laughs> the truth. Um, so are you ready? I am ready. Are you guys going to do it too? I don't know. Are um, we playing? Are we show? Um, I think. Um, okay, that's fine. Whew. Here we go. Welcome to Public Answer, Private Answer. Ooh. First, favorite food. Okay. Public answer, Thai food. <laughs> private answer, Red Lobster Cheddar Bay Biscuits. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Ooh. Uh, ooh. Oh, yeah. All right. Wait. Oh, God. Okay, maybe <laughs> maybe public answer, uh, maybe like Italian food. Right? Mm. I feel like you can't go wrong with that. Everyone's like, mm, it's Italian food. Private answer, the two packs of Mentos I get every day at Trusters. Oh Express. my god! <laughs> Alana and this candy every single time I'm with Alana. She's popping back some sort of sweet thing. Pray for me. <laughs> Mentos, Skittles. Starburst, oh, Jolly yeah, Ranchers. She was going ham on Skittles on Friday. <laughs> I have a problem. <laughs> I have. She just opened it and just poured it. <laughs> just poured the whole thing. I was like, I was shocked. <laughs> Exposed. All right, Lindsay, go, go, go. <laughs> um, 
favorite food. Public answer would probably be like ramen. I'm really into ramen mm. these days. Why, why I feel is like a cute answer. Yeah, it's like trendy, <laughs> cute. You know, People whatever. Like um, People pleaser. Yeah. <laughs> uh, private answer probably two fried eggs over hard with hot sauce. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got the people at late night to make that for me last night. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, does this have anything to do? Like, did you did you have this at home? Friday, not not even. This is my like survival food I had over the summer. Mm. So when I like did it, I don't know how to cook. So I would just like fry some eggs for myself, and it would just pop every single time. <laughs> and then now you got the hot sauce with it. It's great. Oh my gosh! <laughs> wow. Woo. Um. I'll answer just for fun. Yeah. Um, okay. Public answer. Also, I would say like Thai food, like <laughs> Pad C U. Like yeah. I love. I, they can attest. I love Pad C U. Yes, she does. Show a Pad C U like, literally every day, almost yes. every day over the summer. Yes. Not every day, but <laughs> I, could, I could. And that's like a cute answer because like, oh, like I like it because it's like light and, and like, good, <laughs> and it's a good answer. Um, but like private answer. Um. An entire box of Annie's white cheddar mac and cheese. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. With some, like, mm, wh- hmm, this, is this a public answer or private answer? Public answer to the private answer would be <laughs> with a handful of arugula in it, like, stirred in. Because, like, I live in Column Bay and, like, you gotta put vegetables in it. But, like, private answer is, like, just without anything else in it. <laughs> if you're gonna put something else in it, just put more cheese. More That's cheese. It. Yes. Nice. Anyway, um, great. Um, next up, um, Favorite activity? Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I go last for this one. (laughs) You want to go last? Okay. Alana seems ready. (laughs) Alana, are you ready? Your favorite? Oh, Alana. (laughs) Can you please just go for it? Um. (laughs) Ooh, okay. This is a tough one. (laughs) Favorite activity? <laughs> Why do I feel like I feel like I have a guess for what this might be? What do you? What is your guess? I feel like I shouldn't say it. <laughs> um. Hmm. Let's see. Okay. Favorite activity? Public answer: coding. Right. You hear that, Google? <laughs> Private. Pri- private answer <laughs> my favorite activity okay honestly though it had to be a toss-up between sh- just outright sleeping mm-hmm. to be perfectly honest with you um throwing it back mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. a few times <laughs> nice. or uh relishing in uh vivations Jivations. What is it called? Libations. Libations. I didn't even know what you were saying. That. That. Jivations. All right. Someone go. Go, 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 go. Okay. Um, here we go. Favorite activity. Public answer. Playing Frisbee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, also, I do love playing Frisbee, but, you know, it's my profile picture. It's everywhere. Everyone knows. Um... Private answer, um, watching videos of Lin-Manuel Miranda and his friends do (laughs) freestyle rap-based improv (laughs) when they were, like, 25. Yes. 
and like literally every single video on YouTube that features that I have watched. There yeah. a lot. <laughs> Okay. Wow, I just have this vision of like Michelle like in her bed like oh, covers covers <laughs> over the laptop and herself just like watching these videos. I mean, basically. Yep. <laughs> um, okay. Wow, this is kind of hard because I don't do a lot of activities. <laughs> I'm pretty much a bum all the time. <laughs> Public answer. Um, I think I guess if I were to like talk t- talk to someone who I wouldn't want to know that I was a bum, I'd tell them like Oh God! Favorite activity was hanging out with friends, socializing, going yeah, out, being social. Yeah, like chilling and having fun. Um, private favorite activity would probably be like being in my bed with some sort of junk food snack or like boba. A hands reach away. Yeah, and then like watching either Mad Men or now the L Word in my bed. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well. This is awesome. Okay, let me think. So, public answer would probably be reading books, like yeah. self-help books, yes, or like yes. entrepreneurship books. Um, <laughs> private answer, okay, probably like dancing alone in my room. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it yes. always starts yes. like you're sitting, you have all these plans, like I'm going to get this work done, yes. I'm going to be productive. Before you know it, you're like getting down from the mirror. <laughs> you're throwing it back. <laughs> yes. Nice. Okay. Last one. Favorite celebrity. Oh, no. Public answer, <laughs> private answer. Ooh. Oh. oh, no. So I'm currently into watching this man on YouTube. His name is Pretty Boy Fredo. <laughs> Excuse my language, but he is. Say it. Go. Do it. He's a fuck boy. <laughs> <laughs> but he's so funny. <laughs> Total fuck boyness, and it's hilarious, and you guys should watch it. Pretty Boy Fredo on YouTube. Oh Pretty God. Boy Fredo. Done. Even the name. I don't know. <laughs> Um, okay. I'd always say my public answer are, like, the stars from Moonlight. Just all of them. Um, I love them so much. And then, private answer, (laughs) it's probably Lena Dunham. (laughs) Yes, Lindsay, say it. Yes. Why? Why is it private? Why is it private? Okay, yeah, can I please? (laughs) Private, because... Some of the things she says are like actually horrible. They're a little cray, yeah. And like yeah. so white and so like white like, feminist, white feminist, like wealthy, new, like. Ugh. And <laughs> <laughs> I told, I completely, completely agree with everyone's criticisms of her. <laughs> However, I love her show, even though it is also very white, very white feministy. But I feel like I have a bad history of like really liking a lot of white TV shows, and then. Uh, second, I also, okay, I admire the way that she is able to, like, bounce back from a lot of the crazy <laughs> shit she says. <laughs> she's had so many F-ups. She has, she's had, she says so many bad things, but I have seen that with everything that she says, she tries to handle it with some sort of, like, humility, and is never, at least from what I have seen, is, like, never too defensive, but is always like, oh, yeah, like, I definitely messed up. Sorry, but like, effing up, saying messed up things about black men. Ah. Yeah, yes. Oh, yes. sorry, you guys, I won't do it again. Ah. Yes. Says effed up things about black women. Ah. 
Alana's <laughs> not here for Lena Dunham. And I'm low-key, like, not really here for her either, but I really like her. She's super entertaining to me. Okay, I'm done. Also, Issa Rae, Issa Rae likes her, her. Yes, when Michelle told me that, I was like, okay, fine. Like, maybe, <laughs> maybe it's okay. <laughs> maybe it's okay. Okay. Um, whoa. Um, okay, so mine's boring. Public answer, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Mm-hmm. Like, Lin-Manuel, okay, public answer, Lin-Manuel Miranda in Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, he wrote Hamilton. Like, oh, my gosh, that new thing. That's so cool. Private answer, Lin-Manuel Miranda in, in the Heights. Because this was, his, or this was his original. This is, like, honestly, I've been listening to In the Heights, like, on repeat recently. Like, every, in the Heights, what is that? Sorry. It's his first musical about, like, growing up in Washington Heights, like, his neighborhood. Um, and it's so good. And I've been listening to it, like, nonstop. Not more than Hamilton, but, like, it's the new it's the new Hamilton. And people don't even talk about it anymore because Hamilton. Uh, that's my answer. This is also, okay, so public answer, Rihanna. Mm-hmm. Because yes. she, I just love, she does not care what no, anyone has yes. to But actually, yeah. <laughs> like, she just doesn't care. And that's why, you know, I've always loved Rihanna more than Beyonce because I feel like, obviously, like, Beyonce, like, she's one of the greatest entertainers of all time. But I do think that there is this element of, like, you know, she's super polished, you know, super Respectability. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like, when they walked out the elevator, like, she was the first one, like, everything's perfect. <laughs> right, everything's fine. Yeah, and I feel, you know, again, you know, all hail, Beyonce's amazing, definitely. I don't want to get, like, attacked by the beehive <laughs> in this show. But yeah, listening to this podcast, yeah. <laughs> we'll come get you. But Rihanna, I just feel like there's so much vulnerability and like she's so authentic like she doesn't care what you think True. this is Truly. just her it's super raw um, she yeah. brought a flask to the um what yeah. was it the Grammys yeah. or what was I it was so here I was just like yeah. you go girl uh, like, yeah yes. <laughs> um private answer young MA cause she ah! also <laughs> she also doesn't care. She also does. Oh wow, I have so many conflicting feelings about Young and May. Wow, wow. She's you a complex like, person. Like but like, I think that's. Been, I have another friend whose private <laughs> answer would also be Young and May, and we just talk about her all the time. And it's just like, what is? That's so interesting that it's also. But please go on. Yeah, I just. I mean, she's like. There's a lot of layers to Young and May. There's a lot of layers. There's a lot. I don't even think we can capture it all. You can like. You can like and love some things and like not. Like not love others. Yeah. So, oh, you know. yes. But I, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just feel that. Yeah. So the the piece about Young and May that I can't get down with is, you know, she's one of the, you know, like most noticeable, um, notable, you know, hip hop figures today. Um, she's a female. But, like, the misogyny, mm-hmm. you know, yes. I can't get down, never get down with misogyny, Mm-mm, you know. Never. But in terms of just, like, her swag, <laughs> you know, like, one time with the, the confidence, swag, the confidence, the confidence, yeah. the swag, the flow, you know. And, I mean, that song, like, think about, that was the summer anthem. Yeah. It was. Ooh, it, like, was. <laughs> it was. It was. I know people who weren't even trying to, like, they were like, no, 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 no. And then by the end of the summer, they were like, ooh. <laughs> yeah for sure wow. oh well thank you all for playing <laughs> fun game that was great Michelle yes.
much. Thank you so much for for your time, for coming on the show. Like, yeah, thank you. This is awesome. I think you guys are amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. That means a lot. Um, Can you tell our listeners like where they can find you on and your work? Totally. So um, if you want, if you're on Stanford's campus and you want to use Jetpack, go to Jetpack Buyer on the Apple store and download the app. Use the service. um, Let's Jetpack.co. Definitely follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at Let's Jetpack. Um, Or you can follow me on Twitter as well, Fatima Dico underscore. Um, yeah, and really, really, you know, we're excited to bring Jetpack outside of Stanford. We're here um, for now, but we will be expanding. So if you're on campus, no excuse not to be using the app. <laughs> Download it. Follow us on social media. We'll be sharing our Why We Jet photo series. And yeah. Yeah, if, uh, if for people who aren't um, on campus, if things go well, when do you kind of expect that you'd be launching to other areas? Yeah, totally. So by the end of the year, we're planning the different schools that we're going to pipeline into. Um, and then after we really spend some time learning schools and campuses, there are plans to expand outward um, later in the future. So if people want to just stay tuned and learn more, if you go on our site, letsjetpack.co, um, you could put your email address in and we'll send you all the latest and greatest updates. Yes. Awesome. Okay, Sounds cool. Good. I will go there, put my email in, and be so excited for the future that Jetpack is going to bring. Again, thank you, so, thank you so much for being here. I think we're all like really excited yes, um, to so have had you today. Thank you so much. Thanks, y'all, for listening to this week's episode of Three Unicorns. Follow us on Facebook and SoundCloud at Three Unicorns and Twitter at Three Unicorns HQ. Bye. Bye.